So tonight, we got some things to cover. I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Micah. And some of you are thinking, I didn't know there was a book called Micah. That's my friend's name. That's my name. But the book of Micah points out something to us that uh, we're, we're dealing with right now in our day and age. And Micah uh, chapter 6, verse 8, says it like this. What does the Lord truly require of me? What does he require of me? And it says this. This is the answer. It says, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So those are some areas that God says, this is, this is what I'm asking of you. And he really doesn't ask for much. He just says, I want you to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with me. Now, that has a whole lot of implications attached to it. And so it's an ongoing relationship with God when it comes to something like this. How do we do these things? How do we, how do we walk with God in this kind of way? And how do we walk humbly with him? In the past couple of weeks, we were addressing certain things that are happening in our, in our state, uh, especially the issue of same-gender marriage. And uh, I've been getting feedback, and people have been asking me questions about that. And one of the things I do want to make sure is that for many of us who are fasting, because we started this about uh, in late September, uh, we're doing a 40-day fast up until this uh, special session that is being called by our governor on October 28th, uh, that there are different ways to fast and, and different people fasting. Uh, you might ask, well, what does that mean then? What, what, what part do I play in that? Does that mean I have to fast for 40 days uh, and, and then uh, what do I pray for? And so in the past couple of weeks, we've been addressing certain things. If you've missed it, you can go online and then view the different messages from the past couple of weeks. And we have a special page uh, designed for what we're going to be talking about tonight. And so it'll help. Uh, it'll, it'll fill you in, uh, get you up to speed with what's been, what's been going on. And so many things are being unraveled uh, as we go during the weeks. But when it comes to fasting, one of the things that we know is that fasting is not about the food. It's not about abstaining from food and we say, okay, I, I got to work hard at doing that. It really is to do with the will of God. What is God asking? What is he saying to us? Because we can, we can concentrate so much on the food aspect of fasting that we forget about God. That it's our worship to God. It's our heart towards God. And so it's important to note that, that the religious practice of fasting is more, has more to do with God's will than it is to do about the actual food in itself. That's, what my, that's why Micah says it that's, that way. That's why he says, this is what the Lord requires of you. Love justice or to do justly, to love mercy, and then to walk humbly before him. This is what he's asking of us. And even if we wanted to, you and I cannot manipulate God. Even if we said, but I'm fasting, Lord, this is what we want. No, we're not, we're not trying to manipulate God through this thing called fasting, nor do we try to manipulate God through prayer. We want God's will to be done. That's what we're praying for. That's why we fast. That's why we, we do these different fasts. And again, if you missed last week or the weeks before, then you can catch up and see why we're fasting. But I'll address some of those things tonight. And for some of us, when we do fast, it's, it's different than many other types of fast that have nothing to do with God, uh, nothing to do with this uh, 
fasting with God, has nothing to do with what we believe in God, because there are other religions that will fast, not because they're trying to press into the true God, but for selfish reasons, that they fast so that they can gain an experience, they fast so that they can lose weight, they fast so that they can do certain things to uh, make themselves feel more spiritual. But God says, that's not the kind of fast that I'm asking for. In fact, Isaiah 58, verse 6, and you can turn there. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6. I'll read from verses 6 through 8. And it says this, Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? And that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out. When you see the naked, that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. So for us to fast, it has everything to do with pleasing God, not pleasing us. Not trying to do what, what we want and the outcome of why we're fasting. That's not the reasons why we fast. If we are called worshipers, which the Bible does call us that we're to worship God, then our worship to God when it comes to fasting has everything to do with what God is doing in us, not what he's doing around us. Because it's a personal fast that we're doing Towards God, And sometimes we'll do a corporate fast as far as the church goes and we'll do that. But really when we fast to God, we're doing something personal. It's a personal worship to God. It's not, it's not with uh, the intent of saying, well, if we fast as a church, that means we're more spiritual. If we fast as a church, then God will hear us more. No, it's a personal fast to God. And that's why the chosen fast that he says for us to fast with is found in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 58. He says, this is the reasons why. These are the reasons. And so if we get back to God's word, then we'll get a better understanding of why we fast. Otherwise, we'll be fasting for all kinds of reasons. We talked about the four different kinds of fasting. Uh, you know, the normal fast, the one that you go without food for a, a, a period of time. And you just have liquids or just water. And so that's like the normal fast, and you would fast for a certain time. You also have the absolute fast. This is what Moses did, and he abstained from food and water for 40 days. And I don't really recommend that unless you crystal clear hear God. If God says so, and you contact your medical doctor, and you ask him, am I in good health to fast for 40 days without food and water? And he will probably tell you you're not. And unless God speaks to you in such a way that you override what the doctor says. Now, the third one is the partial fast. That's when you abstain from certain kinds of foods. And you just say, I'm not going to eat uh, sweets. <laughs> That's probably the most difficult one, which may be the one you should. Or I'm fasting from starches or I'm fasting from uh, whatever food you want to do, you know, hamburgers or whatever. Uh, and then you have the rotational fast. And the rotational fast is where you go from one food group to the next. You know, grains, uh, uh, dairy, 
breads and is breads grains kind of the same thing but you go to those four different food groups see i missed it in elementary school i I forget the pyramid all i know is uh, you just go from different food groups and you do that partial fast so there is that part to it where there's a practical uh, ways to fast and the four different ways but the reason why we want to fast in this season is because of what's happening in our state and Many of us are aware of what's happening. We're, we're up to date with what's taking place. Some of us are playing catch-up, and we're wondering, okay, so, so where do we go from here then? How do, we, how, do we, um, how do we move in the direction that God wants us to move, not just as individuals but as a church, and what are we moving towards? And so what I want to help us with tonight is what is fasting and what does it do? Why do we fast? And What's the end result in this situation that we're in where it's regarding same-sex marriage and the bill that's been put in that may become a law? Why is it such a big issue? And why are we talking about it every week? What's, what's the deal behind it? Well, there are times when we need to, as Christians, do like a family meeting. We need to pause for a moment and just do like a family meeting. I think we've all done that. You know when the, the dad or the mom says, okay, we're, we're holding a family meeting because this no can. I come home, no more gas in the car. So we're having a family meeting. I come home, the house is a mess. We're having a family meeting. I go to work. I come home. Everything is just in chaos. Uh, grades are dropping. So we need to talk. We need a family meeting. And so that's kind of like what we're doing. It's like a family meeting. Uh, many of us don't even know what's going on in our own state regarding this bill and the, same, and the special session that's been called. So that's what we want to do. We want to help every single one of us to know what's going on and what we're facing in our state today. But just to bring you up to speed, our governor, Neil Abercrombie, has called for a special session to enact a bill to become law to change the definition of God's design for marriage. That's what they're trying to do. And it's not being done constitutionally. It's being done different. And it's not being done how our government is set up of the people, by the people. It's a group of our representatives getting together and saying yes or no from their personal opinion. Did you catch that? What is a representative? What do they do? They represent us, the peeps, the people. That's who they represent. They represent us. i got to speak everybody's language. They represent us. So if there are representatives and they're not asking us, are they representing us? Aole, no more. No representatives. I'm using the word wrong. We, we need to get back to what God's word is saying, and then what does our constitution say? And if we're not aware of what's going on, it'll, it'll go under the, under the rug, under the radar, pop back up 10 years from now, and our state will be in chaos. We wouldn't even know what happened. And why do I say chaos? Where there's a couple of things that you should know about this bill that's being put in and the consequences of it. I think we... Uh, once we mention this issue, many have different perspectives and opinions. And my question would be, if you have your opinion, what causes that opinion? What causes that perspective? Where does it come from? Because you may feel like oh, it, it comes from my life because I agree 
with having this uh, same-sex marriage become a law. So where do you get that from? And you could say, well, because I'm living that way, or my friend is, or I just believe we should have equality. So the question really is, where do you get that perspective from, and where are you getting your foundation from? If you are saying, well, I just think it should be like that for equality, I would say this, then just do a little bit more research. Just do a little bit more uh, digging deep into uh, what it's really about uh, and then go on both sides and see where you fit in this. What does that mean for you? Because it's not, about, it's not about a certain community of people. It's not against a certain community of people. It's not against, really, same-sex marriage. It's upholding God's design for marriage. And now, some people would say, well, so... Where does that leave us as a church? Well, here's what you can expect from New Hope Hilo, Hawaii. Here's what you can expect from us as a church. The first thing is welcomed. That every single person is welcomed through these doors. I'm so glad they welcomed me. Because when I walked through these doors, I wasn't presentable. I'll just leave it like that. I just wasn't. And some of you who know my background and saw me come to church for the very first time, you could say... Who in the world is that? And if someone came next to you and said, oh, that's the future senior pastor of this church, <laughs> they would have beaten you up and kicked you out of the church. That's what they probably would have said. Ask Pastor Marsha because she was one of them who said, who is this guy? But they loved me unconditionally, wrapped their arms around me, hugged me, and loved me into the kingdom. That's what you can expect from New Hope Hilo, Hawaii. Can you say amen to that? God has a plan for all of us. And 2 Peter 3.9 says that the Lord is not really being slow about His promise as some people think. No, He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. So you're going to feel welcomed. The second thing is you're going to feel loved. That's what you're going to feel here at New Hope Hilo, Hawaii. That's why I say I'm so glad that that's what it is because how many of us walked through these doors and we felt nothing but God's love because of who he is. John 13, 34 says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. If we understand God's love for us, then we're going to understand God's love for other people. And I'm glad he loves us with an unconditional love the third thing that you can expect here at New Hope Hilo, Hawaii is respected. Respected. And when God says to respect one another, then we understand that it's not because of who we are, but it's because of who He is. And the Bible tells us to respect one another. That's our duty. That's what the book of Peter tells us. You must respect one another. Have respect for each other. So some people come up to me and they say, well, I, I have some friends or I have a brother or a sister and they're in the gay community or they, they're living like that. And, and so how do I, how do I approach them and, and, and what do I say when they ask me these questions? Well, the, the first thing we got to remember is that it's, it's not something. It's someone. And when we understand that it's a person, then we can go back to the heart of the matter that it's a person whom Christ died for because the Bible tells us that we all fall short of the glory of God you may have family members or, or co-workers 
but we show them respect. I have family members, and they're homosexuals. And I respect them. I love them. They know where I stand. I know where they stand. And so we can live peaceably together. I respect them. We, we you know, talk story. It's, it's not like any other relationship. It's like every other relationship that I have, that it's just, it's like a friendship. Why? Because God gave us that kind of love for other people. So there's a mutual respect that goes on there. And so you might ask, so what's the big deal then of the special session? What's the holdup here? Why such an alarm on it? Well, the Hawaii Marriage Equality Act of 2013 states this, that the purpose of this act is to recognize marriages between individuals of the same sex in the state of Hawaii. So many different groups of people have concerns because the special session does not allow everyone to voice their opinions and their views. And the way the, the bill is written right now, New Hope Hilo Hawaii, this church, will have to perform same-sex marriages in our church. The way it's written right now, we will have to, by state law, be required to marry the same gender. You might think, well, I, I thought religions were exempt. Good question. If it did not affect God's design for marriage, it wouldn't be so-called that big of a deal for us. Because people are wondering, why, why is it such a big deal to Christians? Because it redefines God's design for marriage. That's where we as the church say, okay, wait a minute. You know, we went as far as going towards civil unions, which you get the same benefits and things like that as a married couple. But once it becomes to, again, listen very carefully, carefully, redesign God's design for marriage, we need to shine light. It's our God-given responsibility. You're redefining God's design for marriage. Tell me that shouldn't wake us up. Thirteen other states have already done that with various kinds of repercussions, various kinds of outcomes that they were not prepared for. Christian, non-Christian, gay community, non-gay community. They just weren't prepared for what was going to happen because every group has their opposing view. Even within the gay communities, they have opposing views too. So what we're looking at is we're not, we're not trying to change people because that's not our goal. We can't do that. It's not even our, our purpose. That's not our assignment. That's God's job. That's his assignment. We can't change people. But what we can do is stand up for what God has asked of us that we are ambassadors for Christ, that he says, I'm choosing you as my spokesperson. So you need to say something. And you might be thinking again, so I thought religions were exempt. Well, right now, in the bill that's being um, enacted, uh, under the section 572G, it says religious organizations and facilities, liability, exemption under certain circumstances. That's how it's worded right now under certain circumstances. So this is for churches whose doctrine opposes same-sex marriage, which we do. We believe that the Word of God says to us that when given into marriage and God created them male and female, that's who he married. He brought Adam and Eve together and they were married in the sight of God. That's why Eve is called Adam's wife. So the two shall become one. 
So this is for churches whose doctrines believe that, and we do. But listen, we don't qualify under how this bill is being put in. We don't qualify as a church under the way, under how the bill is being worded. We don't qualify. No New Hope churches qualify, even those on Oahu and around our state or in the mainland and around the world. Uh, no Hope Chapel churches qualify. No Assembly of God churches qualify. Evan Carmichael at Sure Foundation does not qualify. Puna, uh, Sure Foundation in Puna does not qualify. Glad Tidings does not qualify. Thy Word does not qualify. None of the churches qualify that I just listed. No four-square churches qualify. So if this becomes a law, we must marry or we lose our license. Within five years, this church is no more. That quick. And I'm not here to scare you. I'm just giving you the absolute truth. This is what's, it hasn't happened here yet, but it has happened. So you might be thinking, well, then what are we doing? What, 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 what can I do? Or, or it's just going to go away like everything else. We're still here. And, and back in the 1990s, it kind of the same thing came up. Yeah, because that was their strategy. It was to desensitize us. But we got to wake up, guys. In fact, you know what? We're only waking up. They've been doing this for 30 years. 30 years they've been doing this. So we are just waking up. It's kind of like when you get up in the morning, you're slow moving. That's kind of where we are right now. So we got a lot of work to do. A religious organization, as it says, shall not be required to make a religious facility owned or leased by the religious organization available for solemnization of a particular marriage. That's what it says in the bill. Provided that, and here we go, here's the wording, the religious facility is regularly, regularly used by the religious organization for its religious purposes. For solemnization of marriages pursuant to this chapter, which was talking about the things earlier, the religious organization restricts use of the religious facilities to its members. So what it's saying is, you know how we're members of the church? It's saying if you restrict the use to your members, then you qualify. But we're a church that welcomes every single person. We welcome every single person. People will use this facility for graduations. People will use this facility for when we do outreaches. We have various ministries that welcome every single walk of life. So we're disqualified because we have guests coming to our church. If we were a church of just, you know, us as members and no one can come through these doors, we qualify. That's how it's worded. So we don't qualify under this law that will be put into play. That's why we raise the flags. Can you see it really has nothing to do with same-sex marriage in itself, but it has to do with protecting our freedom of religion. That's what it has to do with. And, and it has so much more uh, that we're, we're looking at. And now you might think, okay, so if this law passes, can we just fight it? You know, if someone comes to our church and says, oh, we want to get married here and, and we're of the same gender, can we just fight it? Yes, we can. We can fight it and get some attorneys and have a, a good case because we can talk about what the Bible says. We can do all of those things, but let me tell you this. We will run out of money because how many fights do we need to fight? We have people moving here from the mainland 
to specifically go after churches. Specifically. So again, they've been doing this for 30 years. They know what they're doing. They have corporate sponsors by the millions of dollars supporting the cause. We have zero. But we have a big God. It also says that if we do this, then we have to, we have to be a, a church that uses its facilities only for religious purposes. And yes, we do that for reaching out to people, but a graduation doesn't qualify for that. So, you might say, but I thought you said we are a welcoming, loving, respecting church. But now you're against same-sex marriage. Yes, we are. We oppose same-sex marriage. Well, it doesn't make sense. Why does the church oppose same-sex marriage if you're this this uh, open arms kind of church. Oh, how many of you are parents? Just raise your hand real quick. You know, it's just it's a quick survey. Okay, many of us are parents. Did you know that you are the highest authority of your children? You as the parents. And it shows when you ground them. Your children's friends cannot ground one another. Your friend can't come over. Your children's friend can't come over and say, oh, man, you smart mouth, you, you, you smart mouth your mom and you, you bad mouth your dad. And You know what? You're grounded, friend. You're grounded for two weeks. You know what they'll do? Nothing. They'll probably snap you in your head. They won't even listen to you. Why? Because they don't have the authority, but as parents, we do. That's the highest authority. You're the one who says no cell phone. You're the one who says, nope, you're grounded. Because you didn't do this, you can't do this. Why? Because you want the very best for your children. That's why God designed it that way. Well, in the same way, God wants the very best for us, and He is the highest authority as our Father. He's the highest authority. From the very beginning, God has done this. In Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And sometimes we want our way, but God says, no, 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 no. It has to be my way because I know what's best for you. Well, I want to go in this direction. God says, that's not the best direction for you. You can go that direction, but you're going to reap the consequences. Well, I'd rather listen to God because he knows what's good for me. So if he knows what's good for us, and if marriage is God's design, then don't you think not having it God's way is bad for us? That's why it becomes such an issue. Genesis 1.28 says it like this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. And said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. See, God designed it that way. That's what procreation is all about. It's between a husband and a wife. They can procreate. That's why we have people here on this earth. If God's design was for homosexuality, then they would be able to reproduce. But it's male and female. That's how God designed it. For this reason, as Genesis 2.24 tells us, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. That's how God designed it. So when we come to the issue of same-sex marriage, we got to go back to its source. Not how we feel, not who our friends are, not what we believe as far as against God's design. It's going back to its source. 
See, the consequences of not doing things like how it's designed has eternal consequences. I have uh, three grandchildren, and so there are three car seats. If I do not listen to the manufacturer's way of putting that car seat in, my grandchildren can die if we get into an accident. It's the way the manufacturer designed the car seat. It's what they did. And if I do it otherwise, it causes risk for death. So I'm not dumb as a grandparent. Neither are you as a parent. When you put that car seat in, first of all, you don't put it in the front seat where there's the airbag. You put it in the back seat and you install it correctly. Otherwise, it can cause death. What is happening right now with same-sex marriage is we're not looking at the way the manufacturer designed marriage. We're not using it for what it was intended to be used for. We're saying we want to change the definition. Not we, but that's what's being put in. And so if that's God's design for marriage and that goes and it doesn't, uh, and it's not protected, then where do we stop as a society if this becomes a law? And again, we're learning from the other states. Some people say, well, what about tolerance? Why don't you just tolerate and just live and be in equality? We're here. Here's the problem. Uh, any of you ever sped over the speed limit before? Raise your hand. Even one mile an hour counts. Come on, guys. Okay. So imagine if you were one mile over the speed limit. You're actually breaking the law. So imagine if everyone said, you know what, one mile, can one mile, one mile, school zone, one mile, because 25, you're crawling, might as well get out and run. So I will, I will, okay, I can do 26, and I cannot tell. And as a car is coming next to you, there's a car behind wanting to pass, so this guy speeds up. Oh, he's going 28, oh, he's going 28, I can go 28, I can go 28. And then a cop sees you, and he's like, ah, 28, not that bad, not that bad. The next week comes around, they're going 28. And then the other guy says, you know what, I can go one more because I got a pass. And, and so it becomes 29.30. And the police officer says, wait a minute, now they're going 30. I can let that slide. Next week, they go 35. Now the cop starts pulling people over and saying, you know what, you guys are going too fast. But I tolerate you guys. So you know what we should do? Let's just pass a law that says because you're going 35, then let's just all go 35 in a school zone. If they pass the law in every school zone that now you could go 35, would that cause us to go 35? Or would we still break the speed limit? We would still break the speed limit. You and I would still break the speed limit because the same pattern would happen. Because we're human beings. When it comes to God's law, if we change his law, it does not stop there. Because someone else will show up and say, hey, wait a minute, they're doing this. They have same-sex marriage. Can, can we do this? And it's already happening, guys. I'm just letting you know where we're not as a state yet with where other states are. You have brothers wanting to marry sisters. You have fathers wanting to marry daughters in other states. Guys, it's happening today. It's not, I'm not just throwing this stuff out. We're trying to educate us because we're not there yet. We still have chance. We still have a hope. So, what are we supposed to do? Well, first of all, remember, we're not against the gay community. We got to get that out of our heads, okay? People, someone came up to me and said, well, why do you hate people who are gay? I said, I've never said that. 
Yeah, but so-and-so left the church because you said that you hate them. I said, I've never said that. And if any of you know me personally, I don't hate people. If you know me personally, I mean, if you get crazy with me, i got to defend myself. But I don't hate people. I love every single person because God loves me with an unconditional love. So we are not against people. We are for God's design for marriage. We are for God's design for marriage. We already have civil unions in place in the state of Hawaii, and the next step is same-sex marriage. But now we as a church, the reason why it's such a, 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 an issue for us is because now it's God's territory. Dealing with God's territory. So are Christians being too judgmental? There are two different kinds of, you know, being judgmental. The first is a, con- a condemnation judgmental. It's, you know, you ugly, you stupid, you dumb, and just putting you down. It's condemnation. But then there's also the correction kind of judgmental. That's the kind of correction we, we help one another with. And we try to lead them back to God's very best. We do that with our children. It's like correcting them back to character. And what we're doing is correcting back to God's design for marriage. So we're not anti. We are for God's design for marriage. I want to read to you a couple of scriptures found in the Old Testament and New Testament. In Leviticus 20, verse 13, it says, If a man lies with a man as one lies with a woman, both of them have done what is detestable. So God's word already tells us what is not right in his eyes. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10 says, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? So you might be thinking, wicked? Huh, that's not me. That must, you must be talking about the other people. Well, let's just see. I want to read you the list. It says, Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters, idolaters, which means you put something before God. Facebook. (laughs) Nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So the Bible talks about wickedness, and we all fall into this category. So we're all wicked. We all qualify as a wicked person. Homosexuality is not the unpardonable sin. It can be forgiven, just like our sins can be forgiven. So let's not just group people in one category. We all fall short of the kingdom of God. So we got to get that out of our heads. We're for God's design for marriage, not anti-gay or against the gay community. But what about those who say, but I'm born that way? Well, I addressed that last week, so you can go online and watch that video. So what do we do? Well, Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40, it says, well, someone said to Jesus, what is the greatest commandment of the law? What is the greatest commandment? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. So he says you are to love God and love people. I think all of us want to do what God has called us to do. Romans 10, 13 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So where do we go then from here? Well, God's best way for us to live is found in his word. 
We've got to stay close to the Word of God. Otherwise, things will come into our ears and in our hearts and in our minds through the media, and then we'll be swayed one way or another. Go back to God's Word. It's unchanging. Laws will change. God's Word never does. It abides forever. George Washington said it like this, It is impossible to rightly govern a nation aside from God and the Bible. So here's some steps that we can do and what we're doing. Uh, and when part of a, uh, some of us are doing this, and if you haven't already, please consider this, to fast and pray. To fast and pray. And you pray for God to do what he does best. To pray that we would stand up for what we believe in, what the word of God says. To stand up to say that we are for God's design for marriage. The second thing is to read these things that we're going to pass out right now. And I have some in my hands. And you can go ahead and and pass them out. Uh, On the top cover, this is actually by uh, one of the organizations that are being sued. Yeah, we can pass them out. Just give a bunch to Pastor Charlie and some other people. That way we can have like 50 people passing them out rather than four. Yeah, just do like school. Take 10, take one, pass it down. Take one, pass it down. Everybody can get it. Or I can just fly it from the stage and then we probably get it faster that way. Yeah, just take a bunch and then pass it down. And the, the cover, what you're going to see is it says, In God We Trust. And on the side, there are different uh, quotes. Our found, founding fathers, our Supreme Court justices, Scripture, uh, foreigners, the Supreme Court ruling, the Congress, education. And this was put in newspapers that Hobby Lobby did as a corporation, as an organization. They said, you know, this is what we stand for. And they bought a single ad in the newspapers and put this in there. And so what we're doing is we're doing this on Oahu uh, through the Star Bulletin. And we're printing a page like this, uh, full color. Uh, We're looking at, if possible, to do one here uh, with our Tribune, uh, East and West Hawaii. Uh, But we're trying to gather the churches together uh, to see if we can get some resources to make that happen. The second one, it says, Take Action. And that's this one with the different representatives on it. And we'll get you more information Uh, Our task force has been scrambling today to get these things done because, again, we're we're playing catch-up right now, okay? Uh, And there are four four representatives from our district right now, and that's uh, Cliff Suji, Richard Onishi, Nicole Lowen, and Cindy Evans. And from what I believe, Cliff Suji is actually a no. So... Um, I, I, I think um, just in the process of everything, because information changes so quickly, uh, as of right now, that's his view. That, and that's his vote. And then the last one, which is this paper, this bunch of paper, it says, what same-sex marriage has done to Massachusetts? I will just give you a couple uh, to just thumb through. So page one uh, it has the page number on the bottom, not the contents, but page one. And this is by Brian... Uh, and he, he allows us to reprint this. And uh, the public schools, now this is just the public schools. It says, at my own children's high school, there was a school-wide assembly to celebrate same-sex marriage in early December 2013. Now this is, this is one month after the ruling came. 
one month. It featured an array of speakers, including teachers at the school, who announced that they would be marrying their same-sex partners and starting families, either through adoption or artificial insemination. Literature on same-sex marriage, how it is now a part of a normal part of society, was handed out to the students. And listen very carefully. If this becomes a law, you as a parent, as a grandparent, as an auntie or an uncle, have no say what our children get in school. Because it's the law. It's legal. You have no say. In Massachusetts, they're teaching sex education to our children of how to perform homosexual relationships with pictures. They're teaching this to our schools with the states that have passed this law. Flip a couple pages. And it's on page five. In recent years, at the top, in recent years, state funding for HIV and AIDS programs has gone up considerably in Massachusetts, along with the proportion of homosexual-related cases. According to the Massachusetts Department of Public Health, even though the total number of new HIV-AIDS diagnoses has has declined, the proportion caused by male homosexual behavior rose by over 30% from 2000 to 2009. Thus, for the last several years, the state has budgeted 30 to $35 million per year for these programs. This dwarfs spending on any other viral disease that we are aware of. Now, listen very carefully. The governor says, and some of our representatives say that we will be able to bring in at least $2.7 million through gay marriages if it becomes a law. $2.7 million. 2.7 or 2.17, just by marriages. And if this goes in, they're saying it's going to boost our economy. But will it in the future? It will drive our economy backwards. That's what Massachusetts is dealing with right now. Listen, even the gay community is in an uproar. Even they are saying, wait a minute. Okay, we got to fix this. Because now we're spending millions of dollars on this. And so all the tax monies are being diverted to scramble to figure out how are they going to deal with this. We're not there yet. And I pray we don't get there. Again, can you see that it's more than just the agenda of same-sex marriage? There's more to it than that. So please take this and read it, thumb through it, uh, because you're going to get educated quickly. And okay, this is just Massachusetts. There are 13 states that are dealing with similar issues and even more. So take a look at this. Um, Also, the third thing is to get involved and volunteer. Now, we're putting together a task force uh, that is made up of our staff so that we can have a team of people do certain things. You can email, you can answer phone calls, you can uh, print out uh, postcards if you're going to mail out postcards. Some of you, you don't do email, so we'll make postcards for you that will say, I am for God's design for marriage and against this special session and saying no to same-sex marriage in the state of Hawaii. You can write a personal note on it also, and then mail that in, put a stamp on it. So uh, we're trying our very best to equip you to do these things. You can also uh, write a personal email or letter to your district representative, uh, which we have on our website, and you can go to our website. They worked on that today, and it's almost finished uh, with, with what we're moving towards um, because there's a lot more to it. We can't cover it all in one night, Um, But if you go to our website, you're going to see a section that says action steps. 
and it's under action steps that will give you everything you need to get informed and at the same time what actions to take. Uh, I think someone is going to be here tonight with a clipboard right after service and they're going to be in our fellowship hall where we have computers set up if you want to make an email to your representative uh, in your district. And also we have a clipboard if you want to volunteer. And you might say, I don't don't know what I can do, uh, but maybe I can make phone calls. I can email people. I can be a a phone tree. I can do something. Um, Some of you are technologically savvy, so you might be our uh, social media person that can help get the news out because we might do petitions uh, through social media. So there are various ways that you can get involved. And again, we're welcoming people. We love people. And we respect people because that's who God designed us to be. And so we do our very best to represent God. As the Bible says, we are all ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay, you can put away your papers. If this is your first time to Wednesday night, welcome. Uh, no, really, we welcome you to our Wednesday night equip service. And this is, this is part of what our Wednesday night is, is for, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so I pray that if you have any questions, you can ask me. Uh, if you're mad at me, I'm okay with that. Uh, some people already said some things to me. And in a nice way, they weren't, you know, uh, radical at all. Uh, they just voiced their opinion, and I respect that. Uh, and some people may have left church. But you haven't. The Bible calls you the remnant. That there are some that's going to leave. They're not going to like what God says. They may not understand what God says. They may feel a personal attack. But I remember when I first came to church and they talked about fornication. And I wasn't married at that time. And Heidi and I were saying, you know what? This is what God's saying. He wants what's best for us. We ran towards God. Not away from God. And when we ran towards God, it changed our lives for the better. You might have been contemplating, I don't know if I want to come to this church anymore because they're addressing these things. Don't think about church. Think about Jesus. Go back to Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Go back to what God says because he has a better plan for you than this church has for you. you pray with me? Let's bow our heads. Lord, we're so grateful that we can come before you and And settle these matters upon your word. Lord, where have we gone as a state? And it can seem like such a a short amount of time, just since the 50s as we became a state. But Lord, it's, it's been since the beginning of time. Ever since sin entered into this world, there's an evil one who came to steal, kill, and destroy. And right now he wants to destroy your design for marriage. So, Lord, strengthen us as we fast and pray, as we get involved, and as we take action. We don't want to, 30 years from now, look at our children and grandchildren and say, I just didn't know it was going to be like this. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry you have to deal with what I didn't do. I'm sorry that you have to go through this because I didn't stand up for what I believed in. I'm sorry that you're in prison because of what I didn't do. Lord, I pray that we'll be able to look at our children 
our grandchildren 30 years from now in their eyes and say, Papa, Daddy, Mommy, Grandma, Granny did everything possible to help you when I could make a difference. And we would be able to say that with confidence because our Lord guided us and we kept our eyes on Him. And so, Lord, give us that kind of faith to be obedient to you. In your name we pray. And we all said, Amen. Amen.